0: Welcome to the last lap podcast.
1: Welcome to the last lap
0: podcast. Welcome everybody to the last Lab podcast. I am your host Andrew Pearson, and alongside me, as always, is the. Uh, banter busting <laughs> man of the hour Sean Gray. Woo! That's, <laughs> that,
2: that, that's my banter voice. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> right. you said last time we did this show that I wasn't I wasn't cheery enough or full of banter in my intro. I think so. Here I am, ready to roll.
0: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so here we are, third episode of F one hashtag F one banter, uh, the, the new show where we talk. About Formula One, anything going on in Formula One, or anything we want to talk about Just generally about
2: fancy, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: pretty much. Uh, and I think we we start this episode um, by going all uh, Alex Jones X Files on everybody um, because um, we've had an amazing question put in um, from one of our wonderful listeners, Kevin Kelly at Kevin GPK. <laughs> I love this I hadn't I hadn't noticed this hadn't spotted this but if you're gonna get the tin fall out and start you know wrapping yourself up in it Australia has don't put wheels on their cars
1: yellow flag virtual safety car Ferrari wins
0: China Toro Rosso's crash into one another safety car Red Bull wins do we have our new Formula One conspiracy to take us away from Mercedes? Are uh, t- deliberately yeah. breaking Lewis Hamilton's car to allow Nico Rosberg to win? Do
2: you know just this, as you've said that there, the Lewis Hamilton bit. Just, I'd forgotten how ludicrous <laughs> it was, um, and now it's Which just, of it's those... just, it just hit me. It's been like a year since stuff was all going <laughs> on, and it just hit me like a wave again. Just. Just how stupid that was. (laughs) Out of those two conspiracy theories, which one is more ridiculous? Oh, Mercedes um, tampering with their own driver's car is easily the more ridiculous. Formula One teams instructed other affiliated Formula One teams to do dishonourable things. Unlikely, but (laughs) not something that would completely rule out in in Formula One. It Um, is
0: kind of within the sort of, i don't know the playbook of formula one isn't it for that sort of thing to happen
2: in the post nelson Piquet jr era these are things that we have to take on board <laughs> um no i mean it's a great question uh full credit to to the to the lad that sent it in do i think there's a conspiracy no is it funny to talk about absolutely um it is an amazing coincidence though isn't it <laughs> it's is, it is fabulous <laughs> Um, I mean, just if you actually sit and look at it and try to debunk it. I mean, Gasly on Hartley in China—you—you you couldn't know that it was a—it t- was such a tame little nudge. For this it point. was really, wasn't it? You it couldn't was. have. You couldn't have. Um, Knowing that. That that would bring out a safety car, you know. If you, maybe if you would shunted into them at a hundred miles an hour, it caused an absolute scene. Then, then maybe. But
0: <laughs> it is an odd corner to, if you were going to try that because there's so much runoff area to the into the like the outside of that corner. So, like if you if he'd had smashed into it and they'd gone off, they'd have probably been quite a long way away from the sort of, um, the racing line, and they'd probably just have been a virtual safety car whilst they pushed them around, which wouldn't have been anywhere near as effective. Um, and probably would have allowed everybody to have, um, have have pitted and and come out in the the, the same same space. Yeah. So yeah. methbusters here. I think. <laughs> I think yes. Yeah. So for Toro yeah. Rosso, the Haas one is interesting though, because what it kind of makes you think is they didn't tell the drivers, so they deliberately didn't do one of Kevin Magnussen's wheels because that's the guy that they were sacrificing. But he pulls off at the wrong place because he doesn't know what he's supposed <laughs> to do he doesn't know he's supposed to pull off in a way that that causes some kind of blockage so he pulls off nicely in a in a sort of safety road somewhere and they go oh no we're gonna have to, <laughs> to hobble roman now
2: <laughs>
0: oh <laughs> that, i mean uh, yeah <laughs> so don't tell roman for at least four corners now like don't tell him immediately just let him go for a little bit and then he'll have to pull over in that horrible middle section where there's nowhere to get off the track <laughs> that's brilliant I love it. It's it's really good. Well, now what we, I guess we've got to wait for is this is if in Azerbaijan, Charles Leclerc or uh, Marcus Ericsson have some kind of incident and, and that all goes on to, to win the race. That's I think it. we might have to go back to, to Kevin and, and work out what kind of, uh, you know, is he F1's deep throat? Has, has well, he got start. all of the <laughs> all the secrets or all the, all the hidden dossiers
2: on uh, what's going on in the back? You've got Carlos Sainz at Renault, secret agent from Red Bull. Oh, you know, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> so, even, you, oh, that's even they've better. Got, they've got a they've got a literal spy agent. in the camp. Yeah, man, <laughs> he's going back there next season full of secrets. You know, <laughs> that's brilliant. Oh, I didn't
0: even. Yeah, I had not even thought about that.
2: Basically, every single team on the grid is conspiring to get Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of hilarious.
0: I'd like that like to think that that was the case that that would be, that I'm, would be I'm okay very good. with at
2: this point i'm okay with it <laughs>
0: <laughs> by any means necessary i guess is the, is, the, is that what we're saying about that
2: and i like volteri bottas but he's gonna to have to go down with that shit <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's joined he's joined the dark side i'm afraid he yeah. has
2: he has he's he's yeah. He <laughs> i was trying to think of a star wars based um joke there but then i realized i knew nothing about star wars so whoever the bad guys <laughs> in star wars are that's Valtteri Bottas' team now. <laughs> but no, yeah. Um, well, I guess you know a that
0: was so. So who's who's the who's the Rebel Alliance then? Who and who's who's the Luke Skywalker of the of what we've got going on here? Who's the, the sort of single yeah. guy on a crusade to to defeat it pains,
2: the Empire? It almost pains me to say it, but it might have to be Max Verstappen. <laughs> mm, yeah i guess he probably fits the bill doesn't he really i don't know anything about star wars so i'm trying my best to uh i to, guess to, you'd, you'd think have to say that alonso star would be like him. obi-wan wouldn't he yeah the, like, you know, uh... well sebastian and fernando are like old wiser heads now so they're like <laughs> whoever that is in in star wars i can't think of the characters names because you know that's... I, I see yeah, I'd, that's
0: i'd hesitate to, to call alonso yoda because i think that's just going a bit too <laughs> far
2: um now, you're just, um Kimi Raikkonen is definitely Yodas. Yes.
0: <laughs> Speaks a funny funny way of speaking, very deadpan. <laughs> <Yes>. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I'll just, I just go back to the, the conspiracy thing. Um, put Let's time travel to 2008, and someone turned around to you and said, Nelson Biki Jr. deliberately crashed here so Fernando Alonso could get a safety car and win. You would have the time, you'd have turned. Went no, you didn't. Don't talk. Don't talk rubbish. You would you would have called that yeah. rubbish you? If, if an article had been published by some on some two bulb media website suggesting that you know that was that's what had happened. We'd have came on this show and said, "What a load of codswallop that is, isn't it?" And that's that's what happened. So I guess we could never rule it out, truly. But do I think do I think that they're risking uh, millions of pounds in damage just to just to maybe get a safety car, probably not. <laughs> but then, Flavio Briatore did it. So, well, yes,
0: and this is entirely true. Pat uh, Simmons,
2: Pat Simmons is in at Williams, so let's keep an eye on what they get up to. Oh, see, uh,
0: well, yeah, we've got to wait until the Williams crashes somewhere to make sure that one of the Mercedes. wins, uh, I guess that's uh, right.
2: but you're missing the key point here, mate. Is that the Williams has to be fast enough to get himself into that position, and the well
0: <laughs> what for the Toro Rosso's. Didn't <laughs> that, really? I
2: guess <laughs> And they'll only do it when they're getting lapped, the Williams.
0: Yes, I suppose that's true.
2: (laughs) What Uh, else has been happening other than conspiracy theories? That can't (laughs) be the only piece of news. (laughs) It it practically is,
0: unfortunately. (laughs) It's been a bit of a quiet week. Um, We got some news about proposals and rule changes for the upcoming year and the the proposed 2021. Um, Is it Concord 2021 or is that... Is this just a proposal that that's when they think they're going to start doing stuff? I can't remember. I'm assuming it's Concord in 2021. Uh, but for next year, um, the cars will be getting an extra five kilograms of uh, fuel per race in an attempt to try and get the cars not to do fuel saving. Um, I do don't you... know about you, but I'm pretty sure they don't put 105 kilograms in the car yeah. anyway.
2: I was about to say, do you think that is... As pointless a change as I do, um because surely they're just going to fuel under anyway, because they want to get maximum performance and speed and pace, and fuel save when so need be it. And having a bigger tank isn't going to change that mentality from the team, surely. No, no, <laughs> it's a bit. <laughs> I just like, feel like I'm be missing be something there. Like, yeah,
0: I think I must be as well. Unless they've unless they've changed the the fuel flow thing as well, and they can push as much fuel through the car as they want then it doesn't seem like they there's any real point because... But
2: ultimately they're going to want to carry less weight no matter what so they're going to be trying you to m- skim weight off at any given angle. Uh,
0: at this point you might as well have said F1 cars will now be allowed to have fairy lights embedded in the bodywork so that they look pretty in the night races. Like No team's going to do it because it's it's ultimately not going to aid the car in any way, shape or I mean, form to go faster.
2: The only, the only way it would have any sort of effect is if there were Legally obliged to fill it up carry, full. Yeah, full. I guess which would be fine. i okay with with that. that as well. If they turned around and said you must fill that up to the absolute brim, no excuses, then fine. Because then the teams go, well, we've had to fill it up anyway, so we might as well, you know, push the heart and push push harder. So fine. But whilst they still have the option to not fill it up, having a bigger tank isn't going to make a difference, as far as I can no. see.
0: No, they'll just do it like the, was it the Brabham that filled it filled its tanks with um lead shot? And then when Brabham. it was going around the thing, when it, when it got, got low, the lead <laughs> shot would literally fire out the back of the, the car <laughs> and pelt the drivers behind like some kind of James Bond <laughs> sort of device in the back of his car.
2: You're asking a little bit of my uh, 26-year-old brain um, Uh, regarding Brabham. Like That's a little bit before my time, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) I'd like to point out it's a little bit before my time as well. I I I just like F1 history, all right?
2: Fair enough. I don't (laughs) actually know when When did Brabham
0: Uh, be. The car I'm thinking about, I think, is within the 70s. The 70s. I I,
2: I can't remember what year it was that Brabham sort of wound up as a...
0: Sometime in in the 70s. I don't think they've quite made it into the sort of glory days of the the 80s i'm pretty sure there wasn't
2: a Brabham. that'd be a good show to do one day a proper f1 history show go back through like the classic cars and stuff like that yeah it'd
0: be nice it'd be nice to talk about all of the um some of the really the the old names and stuff that had lots of success back in the day and that you just don't hear of like think about the the teams that sterling moss drove for like brm and van wall and, and just names that you just kind of just go oh i've kind of heard of brm and you might have vaguely heard yeah. about somebody talk about Van Wall, but it's not, you know, we don't kind of hear about those sort of things. And to talk about, you know, Alfa Romeo back from, you know, when they were a team and not just a a branding for for, for Fiat. Yeah, I've
2: something. got some free time next week. I might spend a, a wee day doing a bit of research on some mm. old, uh, some old classic yeah. teams or something. Get Nicky on. He's, uh, I think he'd be good at that, uh, good... Uh, uh brain to pick on that yeah. sort of
0: thing. So I'll fire some I'll fire some DMs around to our Twitter. We friends digress? Yeah. To be on. Yes. Sorry, yeah, podcast we, planning in the middle of an episode. is probably not what people <laughs> have tuned into here. Um, other things that this are going is... to be changed sorry, go
2: for it. Sorry, no no I can't I can that's fine. Just fuel stupid idea, move on.
0: possibly something that's going to be better is that driver weight will now be considered separate to the car so that heavier drivers won't be uh, disadvantaged, so I'm assuming that that they take the they weigh the car without the driver in, and it has to be that weight, you know. Yeah. With the I mean, says,
2: that's the kind of thing that you look at that kind of rule and go, well, why has it not been that forever? You know, it's like Nico Hulkenberg was complaining years ago, I think, because he's quite tall, and you know, others before him, I'm sure. So, yeah, good idea, fair enough.
0: Yeah, I guess it's um. A lot of it, it was all to do with this—the whole minimum weight thing, wasn't it? it? Was that the cars had to be a certain weight, so you wanted as little of that to be the driver, so you could place everything else strategically around the car, and then ballast up to, you know, make it as handle as well as possible. Whereas if you've got the driver stuck in the center of the car and he's, you know, all of your extra weight, you know, that you've you've tried to cut out of the car, it uh, it doesn't make it easier to design around it. Um, Especially as the drivers probably moving about the car, so that probably doesn't help um, with balance and stuff. Uh, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll stop seeing the taller drivers ending up looking like walking skeletons, like <laughs> poor Jensen Button did in the last few years of his career, where it looked like he was probably eating a lettuce leaf leaf per GP.
2: Just all those triathlons that he was doing, man. Was burning <laughs> I think mean, he needed to left do that. Just,
0: yeah, <laughs> I don't think he was then eating after any of those. He was just triathlon, and then you know he drank 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 the seawater or the 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 lake water. He was going through and hoping that he could sift enough plankton as he went through like a whale shark to to, to keep himself going. I can't eat anything. I'll be two two kilogram two grams too heavy. Um, also, for twenty twenty nineteen, drivers were required to wear biometric gloves. To increase safety and facilitate medical rescue. Okay. What does
2: what does that mean exactly?
0: They're basically, there'll be sort of like pulse measuring things and and uh, uh, bits and pieces in the gloves so that oh, they can tell okay. you know is the guy conscious is, yeah, is yeah, he like breathing is he... or
2: something yeah like... yeah
0: basically it's you know when you go in a hospital and they stick that thing on your finger, and it measures your pulse yeah, and yeah, your course, oxygen yes. saturation on It's basically that, I think, is, is what
2: they've got. Gloves with and... that kind of thing in it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, cool.
0: Can't can't do it. Um, yeah. A rule that I'd like to see in 2019, actually I'd like to see it in 2018, is that all teams were required to follow Hass's um, excellent concept of putting a goddamn driver's name on the inside of the halo.
2: Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I like it.
0: Like what of all the simple things like it's bad enough these days. Like if there's one thing to complain about the Halo is it does make instantaneous working out of which driver is which a little bit more difficult unless they've got particularly um interestingly coloured helmets. So it's quite easy to see which of the McLaren's it is because Alonzo's is bright blue and and uh, Stoffer's is bright orange. But um you're hard pressed with the Force Indias to know who's who because they've both got pink helmets in a pink car. It's just, you know. Uh, I think Force India have actually started doing it, so kudos to them for picking it up. But I think that should just be mandatory for all the teams. It shouldn't be, you know, you can't put no sponsors in the first, you know, 30 centimetres away from the centre of the halo. It's got to have the driver's number and the driver's, you know, initials, so mag or...
2: Yeah, I mean, if uh, if the halos are here for the long term, then we might as well, you know, get used to them and and use them to the best possible effect, and that certainly would come under that. one of the other things that came up in this meeting where these things
0: have been agreed is that um the 1.6 liter turbo hybrid engines are going to be retained uh for 2021 but the talk is of having the MGU-H, which is the uh, heat recovery system as opposed to the mguk which is the kinetic energy system from the brakes Uh, that's Mm -hmm. the flywheel one as opposed to the h which takes the heat and then that spins up the turbo doesn't it that's what they use to to do like the turbo lag and, and things like that um based on the fact that it's very costly and complex uh and i'm assuming that what they're hoping is that removing it will entice other people to come in and uh go to the sport um i'd seen a few things on this um I wonder if I can even keep getting there, but um, Craig Scarborough was uh, talking with this, with somebody. Now, when I initially saw this, I thought, well, maybe that's a good idea. But it would be better if the um, sort of engines were simpler. Um, But in talking about it, he seemed to suggest that actually it probably wasn't what you... um... There we go. Um... So losing the MGH will reduce the amount of time the drivers have access to the PU's full power. All other things being equal, the driver will only get full 1,000 horsepower from for 33 seconds per lap. Right now, the driver has enough energy from the MGH to have full power whenever they need it. Um, and
1: um,
0: do-do-do... Uh, Let me just see if I can find it. He said it on um, as a reply to somebody. So I just want to find it. Um... He just said it makes no sense uh, in terms of what's been done with the engines to simply remove it, I think, was the things. Um... Somebody suggested all this to keep Ferrari happy. His reply was, I think this goes against... Ferrari's wishes, which makes sense given that they now appear to have possibly the best engine on the grid at the moment. Um I'm sure they won't want to be taking that um
2: spent five years getting there, and now we're just gonna check
0: <laughs> yep, um and somebody sort of put across the point that uh that was sort of saying that um this might well bring in you know the sort of aston martins Audi's Cosworth's back into the thing um to and and stop Ferrari and Mercedes dictating the sport. Um and Craig's point to this was a good one I think which is controlling certain manufacturers influence in F1 shouldn't be done by engine regs um plus developing a light hybridized engine isn't a challenge for any manufacturer and I think I actually on on balance agree with that point of view if what you're doing is saying ah well if we make the engines easier more more teams will come in and that will dilute um mercedes and ferrari's uh influence on the sport as the two dominant engine manufacturers uh putting renault in a little bit of shade there unfortunately um but it's right if you don't want them to have that much influence then don't give it to them surely there's just easier ways to do that and just say you know all right that's fine if you know you've invested all these millions if you want to walk away from the sport and let ferrari run it then that's absolutely fine mercedes or if you say to ferrari well that's fine then mercedes will will, you know will be the top dog in in formula one and you'll go and then Renault will be the second best engine manufacturers in Formula One. They'll get all of the, you know, the marketing and all the other bits and pieces from it. You know, call call the teams bluff on these things. If they really don't want to be in Formula One because, um, you know, uh, things aren't played their way, then why even worry about it? You know, um, and it does seem to me that these days, any engine manufacturer should be able to produce that kind of engine. It, you know. If, if all these manufacturers are building hybridized engines for their road cars, it's not like an unknown force. And I don't think that Honda's failure to do it should necessarily, um, dictate that it's too difficult for somebody to do that. It's too difficult for somebody new to come in and create this engine. um, from what everybody seems to be suggesting about how Honda do business in terms of how they deal with engine development bits and pieces. I think a lot of why it's taken four years to them, for them to produce a an average engine is down to how Honda works, their methodology, the, the, the Japanese way of not rushing things, not doing things under pressure, uh, analysing, you know, doing in small incremental steps which isn't you know which isn't the formula one way the formula one way is just to try and get as many fast things on the car as fast as possible and as soon as something doesn't work then you th- you know you try everything change every nut bolt whatever it is to to make it work and that wasn't that wasn't honda's way and it certainly doesn't work with a team like mclaren and it probably wouldn't work with a team like red bull but it might work with a team like toro rosso who can be more patient uh, and wait for things to happen because there's no pressure on their results um so yeah, I, I've possibly slightly changed my tune about how all of it should be, about whether removing certain bits of the engine are a good idea to reduce costs. I think maybe standardizing some of the parts might help with costs. Uh but that's about as far as I think that bit should go in terms of, you know, leveling playing fields using engine regulations as a as a methodology.
2: Yep. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have much more to add than it. that i'm afraid man. get in yep that's fine yeah no um <laughs> I, think I'm, I, I hate like, it when
0: i do that sean i hate it when i, <laughs> I, I talk and talk and talk and i go yep. oh my god i've got to stop i've got to let sean say something but if i don't finish this point it won't make any sense and i stop and i just go so and you're like hmm yeah well that, you have to that, just talk for 10 minutes andy why don't you if you just stop five yeah, minutes ago i'd have had something to say
2: <laughs> i think i'm a little bit like you my gut is to say simplify the engines but my gut is also to say we shouldn't be using engines as a as a, as a leveler uh so yeah i'm not 100 percent sure what i think at this point about engines
0: um it feels like we're a bit to me we're a bit too far down the rabbit hole with these yeah. engines and we've kind of just got to keep on going down this thing and maybe wait and see what the, the this sort of nascent technology turns into because it may well be that if you hang on to this hybrid engine as it is whatever comes next for electric um in terms of taking it away from big lithium batteries could produce something that gives everybody a simpler smarter and you know more um efficient way of working than having you know an mg uk and an mg uh maybe we'll just have an mg u e do you know what i mean that provides energy of one sort or another and it does it in a controlled way that all the teams can easily apply to their cars we won't need to you know wring our hands quite so much about changing everything now because things might in three or four you know in the three or four years that we're talking about before 2021 it's it might be all different by the time we get there anyway so
2: i put it this way i would rather have i would rather continue on the path that we're going now and maybe in two three years time we have a Renault, a honda a ferrari and a mercedes all about level if, yeah and you know, in, in, in a dream world of their all of equal ability in the next two or three years of if honda continue to improve and Renault continue to improve then change it all up completely now yeah and then and, we end up with, and, then, and then we end up with somebody being a second a lap quicker again like we had when mercedes first turned up so mm-hmm. yeah as you rightly pointed out too far down a rabbit hole now i think it's a bit like right we're just let's just keep going you know <laughs> Because Honda are getting there very, very, very slow, and Renault are are getting there too, um, quicker than Honda, but not at the pace of Ferrari. But they will get there, I think. They will get there. It, so... it does
0: feel that they're not that much farther away now. Do you know what I mean? That it's just that um, that core efficiency to get the top speeds out of the engine, um, because they seem to be a lot more reliable generally. I know we've, you know, we've obviously had the issues with with um ricardo this is but the the mclarens haven't broken down and the the whole point about those mclarens was that they're supposed to be one of the most tightly packaged you know engines on the grid you know you'd have thought if anything was going to go wrong and you know it did go wrong in testing if anything was going to go wrong and those you know those engines were going to fail because they didn't have all of the sort of relevant space and and what have you to to breathe and and do what they need to do we'd we'd be seeing them you know the mclarens at the you know The side of the racetrack after after seven laps, but it kind of hasn't been the case. So uh, I I do feel that there's there's stuff there for for Renault to to keep on that path, and and they they will get there. This as with all of the regulations, isn't it that there is a limited return on the investment? Um, You can only make the engines do a certain amount and get them tuned to a certain degree before there is no more performance to find, or um, you have to put in. Instead of where you put in $20 million to develop, you know, a new MGU-H, you now would have to put in um, $400 million to design a new MGOH and it will get you maybe half a tenth instead of getting you half a second, as it would have done in the sort of initial period. So they will all converge on on performance to some degree, and maybe we're better off looking at aero regs to improve racing. Um, generally, rather than something to try and level the playing field between the manufacturers
2: and the other teams. Yep, I think that's fair.
0: I'd rather they looked at things like, is it time for Formula One to consider enclosing the front wheels behind something to try and reduce wake and try and make it, you know, make the cars disturb the air less? Because it's, you know, the big, essentially flat tyres passing through the air is probably the least, you know, is the most disturbing bit if you stuck something over the front of those a bit like they do in Formula E, then, you know, that might in itself make it a lot easier for, the, you know, the cars to to follow in the in the wake of, of cars, to, you know, irregardless of the, the hot air and stuff. So I'd rather they sort of started saying something as radical as that, but that could actually make a massive difference to um, racing and, you know, is just instantly accessible to all the teams. You know, it's just a regulation to say, yep, all the wheels are going to be covered with, you know, something on here. It can't be used as an aero device. You know, it's just got to be a a flat curve or it's got to be exactly this, this sort of dimension and bits and pieces. And you can't angle it or do whatever. It's just there to actually make the air that comes off the back of the car that much less disturbed.
2: Certainly something to look at, yeah. Um, Front wings, I think, need to be simplified. It seems to be a little bit too many bits and bobs on a front wing. can possibly happen. But
0: it's funny with that again. You know, picking up from what stuff I learned, like I, I love following Craig Scarborough because I yeah get all of these little insights and stuff that I'd never, I'd never be able to pick up. Um, but a lot of the front wing is more about channeling air uh, to the back of the car where it's actually used. So mm-hmm. you, it's not a big downforce thing, and it's not, it doesn't. Really disturb the air as much as you think it does, because really it's all pushing everything into sort of one place. So it's not sort of slamming into the; it's not being slammed into the air, like wheels or or a flat piece of the car is. Um. So in a way, I, I think that the the thing that we need to worry about least, you know, looking at the floors <laughs> might be more of a an efficiency thing. As looking and seeing <laughs> if if maybe simplifying the floors would make a big bigger difference and, and, and adjust less the weight because that's what they're channeling all the air to because they're trying to make that whole bottom of the car you know the aeroplane wing and stuff to get it sucked down to the ground you know if we had simpler flat floors is that going to you know that might be worth more of an investment than you
1: know five kilograms of fuel or what
0: stun silence again this is brilliant I love it Ah, don't um, have anything to add mate <laughs> this is all things that I've been thinking about, so I'm just I'm regurgitating yeah. them at will. <coughs> Something more fun then. Um, this came up in a conversation with with, with somebody else. So I thought I'd bring this to to this episode, and this is a good one for all of our listeners. I would really love you to um, tweet your thoughts on this to the podcast uh, podcast podcast uh, at Last Lap Podcast. Please, please do tell us what you would do. It's a bit of fantasy booking here. So nobody in a current car or affiliated as a reserve driver, a test driver or a junior program or on the simulator or, or any of those bits and pieces. So we're, we're ruling out the likes of sort of Danny Kvyat, Robert Kubica, uh Paul DiResta, uh, people like that who have a sort of affiliation to a, a current Formula One team in some way. But it's an ex-Formula an ex One driver if you could get them into any seat on the grid, who would it be, uh, and why? And let's—I uh, guess we should probably exclude Schumacher on this one, on the basis that he can't come back to Formula One at the moment. But but as long as they're they're alive and healthy,
1: the the choice is yours. <laughs> I have one.
2: Gone, on. and it's not ever going to happen. But it could happen if the parties involved wanted it to happen but i don't think any party involved would want it. that makes sense but i want to see i'd love to see nico in the ferrari that would be just my oh, that would be yes my absolute wet dream <laughs> <laughs> my favorite driver of the last 10 years in my favorite team that's all i could ask for i mean what that would mean for um my other favorite driver and sebastian vettel um i'm not quite sure but Whether Kimmy walked out at the end of the year and Nico came in to uh, Nico and Seb running things in the Ferrari, that'd be pretty sweet. Or if Seb moved on, Nico to come in and just the idea of Nico coming into Ferrari in a championship-winning car and beating. A Lewis Hamilton driven Mercedes to the world championship for pretty much everything I'd ever want in life. So I could just retire happy if that was to happen. So that that, that that's the one that immediately popped into my head um when you asked the question. Nico Rosberg in a Ferrari.
0: Hmm. sir. That is a that is a good one, actually. Yeah. Um I was thinking I'd quite like to see um nick heidfeld uh get a run in the um the red bull um okay. in in place of max verstappen because i i'd like to see somebody um the the problem i see with a lot of the rebel drivers they're a bit up and down um yeah. like i love i love daniel ricardo so that's why i want to keep him keep him at all costs Um, but you know, uh, it was Max can go off and get a seat in another car, it doesn't doesn't matter, I don't want out out of F1. But I'd love to see. I always thought that Nick Heidfeld had something, um, that was never quite fully realized. He he was in BMW Sabre at the time that Kibitza came through, and when Kibitza was stunning, um, and it put him, but he pushed Kibitza hard, did you know? what I mean, it wasn't wasn't Mm -hmm. outclassed uh, by Robert, and he had good drives in the Lotus. But then got kicked out of contract disputes before Grosjean and Kimi came in, and they had the decent car. Then, you know, but poor, <laughs> poor Nick's last sort of really lasting memory of that Lotus was it catching catching on fire spectac- spectacularly at the side of the uh, the, uh, the track, I think, in um, uh, somewhere like Bahrain or, or Abu Dhabi or somewhere. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I'd love to see maybe maybe not now because obviously he's. he's, he's but like just, you know, just when we sort of lost them, I'd love to see that Nick Heidfeld in, in Formula One now, somebody with that quick and consistency who might be able to really drive a car. And I think the Red Bull would be an interesting car to see him in. Um, because there's potential in there, but it's not like a super dominant. Like if you if you put any driver in the in the current Mercedes or the current Ferrari, you're kind of giving them a license to, you know, be a you know, a top three finisher in most races. So I kind of want to see somebody like that in a, in a car that's got potential to do good things and see what they can do with it.
2: Certainly is consistency because you're right. You're absolutely spot on when you say the Red Bulls, both guys can be in and out, you know, someone who's, someone who's consistent could be just what they need actually at Red Bull. Um, So yeah, fair enough. I just, I I should have known you would have went for (laughs) a I should have known.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's just, again, it was just kind of just trying to think of, um, think of somebody who you know we we probably haven't um haven't thought of for a while um uh, and you know what it's complete fantasy because obviously it can't be it can't be sort of right now um but uh, oh i tell tell you what that that would be it'd be quite interesting to see i'd like to see Weber and coulthard in like one of the top teams i think that'd be quite a fun team to see the sort ofmin two...
2: well, I mean.
0: yes. Yeah, where would where would you slot them in? Maybe get them in uh, Renault somewhere like that, somewhere where they can sort of duel and do. No, with the Force India, that'd be perfect. They'd be just 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 see what those sort of two old heads did in a sort of uh, decent but not like front running team, and just see them see whether they just how hard they could race each other for the, the whole of a season. I think it'd be quite could be quite fun.
2: Fair enough. <laughs> um... Rosberg was my only one. I'd need to sit and think about it for, for, to think of any um, yeah,
0: I'm trying to, trying to, think. Yeah, he was um, my, he was my one.
2: I still want him back. Still, I'm still yeah. clinging to hope that he might come back one day. <laughs> uh, so, Lewis, well, retires. Uh, Lewis retires. Lewis yeah, retires at the end of the season, I think and Nico comes, and that Bim, be, yeah, comes that back. Hilarious. That would be amazing. Uh,
0: did you? Uh, funnily enough, we talk about this because as a, fo- a follow-on from that. Did You see that Nico is um, doing a runaround in the new what will be the new gen of formula e car yeah i've seen and that. Is investing yeah. in the series
2: interesting so it's uh, he's a good man to have um to have on board for formula e as a as you know as a promotion and as a branding thing going he's a he's a formula one world champion so he certainly will help boost the profile of formula e take me as a as an example you know like i might i, I never see formula e I, I, I rarely catch it i might see one race a season but I might go out of my way to, to see what Nico does with it because, you know, I'm interested in Nico. So, yeah, he's a good man to, to have on board. They're continuing to grow their brand.
0: Huh. What about this one? I think it would have been interesting, again, to think about careers that um, probably didn't go the way that maybe the, the talent, the driver um, would, have, would have wanted. Timo Glock. I'm not sure, not sure where I'd put him, but I think he'd be. I'd really like to have seen what happened if he if he managed to keep the drives and, and keep on going yeah. and, and and improving because he seemed for all the world like there was a lot of promise there and then just sort of faded and disappeared.
2: Took a chance on um, the was it the what, what team did he go to was it the
0: it was at the, Toyota wasn't he and then
2: when the new teams came in
0: oh yes he went to one the, of them it was a fortune. Occasion- virgin-
2: Slash right. Marussia it might have been Virgin, yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. Um And it just didn't work out. You took a punt on going there that they were going to be competitive, and it and it didn't work out for them. But yeah, you could probably do a. You, know, you could probably sit and talk for an hour on, on Formula One drivers that could have been something that didn't quite get the opportunity to do so. Most of them having wandered via Red Bull or Toro Rosso at some point, like you know, Remy yes. and Gushwari and all of these guys. So there's lots of them out there for sure. Glock. Just, just another one in in that long list.
1: We just it.
0: I, would' just pop pop through my head, and I'm trying to, um, trying to think who I mean. Um. Uh, oh, Fisichella. I mean, I should just see what Fisikella would be doing in the current the current spec cars. Just a, again another another driver that you just think oh, There was a sort of there was two seasons where we kind of thought something was there, and then it it got the Ferrari move, but probably at the wrong time, and then that was the end of that, really.
2: Yeah, I like I'm a big Fisichella fan, but yeah, he was was a bit he was a bit Felipe Massa, just not quite not quite that you know elite bracket. When Fernando came into the Renault, and you had Fizzy who had five years experience on fernando and fernando outshone him and that kind of um yeah that was kind of it you know as far as his you know grand prix championship winning aspirations to go when you're a five-year guy coming into your prime and a rookie comes in and <laughs> smashes you up always it's uh, not really good for your for your career from then on i would say I uh, no. that, I love a I, uh, big fan of his like oh, I always liked the guy you know on a personal level just uh, never quite had the that jump up to the that elite classic you know only five or six guys in a generation can find themselves in
0: uh, and there was uh, the, uh, on the on the Timo Glock of things of of Heinz Harald Frentzen
2: <laughs> and a grand prix multiple grand prix winner is is yeah. uh, Frentzen um Another one probably in the in the fizzy category and the um who else did I say there? <laughs> that, that did I compare physicality a second ago? Can't remember. Um but yeah, just that um not quite in the elite bracket possibly Frenson. Although or you could argue that he didn't quite get the get the chance to show it. Yeah,
0: not not always the not exactly always the best car to really sort of do. do One,
2: this. Won a Grand Prix in a Jordan, so I guess that counts for something. There can't be many people who did that pretty sure he did. Pretty sure he won a couple of Grand Prix in a Jordan,
0: yes. Yeah, he was, didn't he? And then did he move
2: to um, was it did he go to BAR? No, no. I think he flirted with Sauber towards the back end of his career, Arrows maybe. um thinking possible and williams oh
0: arrows yeah i think i think that's that's i think that's who um who i'm thinking of
1: um... yeah arrows
2: actually you
0: know i want i want um gaston mezacarne back that's that's
2: i've just thought of a good... we're going off on such a tangent <laughs> the world needs more Guido Vandergaard. oh yes Guido vandergard so... Guido Bantergaard. He needs to,
0: what, uh, Gido, he needs to the officials f- Come,
2: join the, the show. Official, the official sponsor of Guido van der Gaard. <laughs> um, I like yeah, it. he's another one who deserves um, deserved a chance um, in a car that was capable of anything. And he <laughs> deserved a chance in any car that wasn't a Sauber. So <laughs> uh, yeah, you see, we could go on for hours and hours about all these guys. Frentzen definitely won a couple of grand prix. Uh so he had, you know, he had, yeah, he won. He won two races in a Jordan. That he must be the only person alive that won two two races for Eddie Jordan. <laughs> Probably true. Because I think the Jordan F one team only won about. Three,
0: so. <laughs> yeah, and and, and singularly uh, uh, in a season, it seemed most of the time. Damon uh, won for them, didn't he? Yes. Uh,
1: I'm
0: trying to think if. Who else won for them?
2: Yeah, they had four race victories, Jordan. Uh Did Irvine win a Grand Prix for them? No. I'm trying to think now. Uh Frenson won two. I think Damon must have won
1: at least one. And wikipedia come
0: on <laughs> I'm trying, come, trying to find come, come to me <laughs> um oh, they finished third in the drivers in the
2: constructors in uh, 1999 i didn't yeah, know that now they were easily the third best team in 99 i remember it. <laughs> yeah the um the ralph schumacher drove for them but i don't i think he won for them yeah, let's have a look there's got to be you're <laughs> all night trying to figure things out
0: uh, Damon Hill Hines-Harold-Frentzen twice oh and
2: Fisichella. Keller did Fizzy win for Jordan yeah, did he? he did indeed ah. in Brazil it was but... it that Brazil race where they changed the result um... oh yes
0: yeah was that um, who was supposed to win
2: oh who was supposed was it, to win was it
0: Kimi was supposed to win that one was it
1: Kimmy get in the McLaren get
0: knocked. No, can't be not in no not in two thousand and three. That's too
2: Yeah, it was when Alonso wrote it off coming um coming into the final the final corner.
0: Uh Oh no it was yeah it was Kimmy, didn't it? he? Got um got demoted after the race and had to give back all the other bits and pieces.
1: Um
0: yeah because it showed that he'd he'd started the lap um he'd started a lap that the red flag was shown on so he it meant that they'd stopped the race one lap too early yeah so he was leading at that point rather than (laughs) there.
2: um and fernando managed to be classified as third even though his car was in about 150 million different pieces yes which is and that was, uh, that was
0: and that was do you know what? i remember it now and that was the weird thing because there was the whole issue about the um ceremony but alonso finished third um despite everything but wasn't he didn't he wasn't on there because obviously he was in the blooming I mean, medical center so i think there was the initial thing was that um there was a problem with that but they sort of everybody went well you can't really have a problem if one of the, you know, one of the finishers was too ill to be on the thing, so they they sort of quietly dropped, all that McLaren didn't protest on any of those sort of bits and pieces, and and Fisichella ended up with the uh, with the points.
2: So yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, That's madness that Fernando could be classified as third, even though he was he put <laughs> yes, it, put and it and in the wall off in a, a, So that uh, seems like a little bit of a silly rule, really. <laughs> I don't know if that still applies, but. Seems a bit mad that you can you can you know.
0: It's because they it's because they run it back from when the red flag was thrown, because they red flag it and then they'll stop the race, like essentially, and then they do you know sometimes they'll award half points or, or other bits and pieces. Um uh, so because he was still going before he caused the red flag in, in where he was, he finishes third it's that clearly that after his accident everybody passed him within you know within the lap um but it's, it's about when when that red flag goes down so is formula 1 does like to make things more complicated than it needs to be, so very much <laughs> so very probably much probably so. not not even <laughs> the worst example of formula 1 sort of going no 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 it's fine really all like, well, the people who will finish finish the race when they dnf at the side of the at the side of the track in the last sort of three or four or four things, and they still managed to get classified um, as, as, a, as a finisher despite the fact that they you know then moved for for five minutes before the end of the race. Well, I think that pretty much covers everything that isn't going on in Formula One at the moment because there's not <laughs> a lot of going on in Formula One at the moment, but we covered it anyway as best as we could. Uh, please again let us know what your fantasy—you know—which driver from the past uh, you want to drop into a, a Formula One drive this season, and what car you'd love to see them in. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, in the meantime, uh, make sure that you're, you're subscribed to the podcast in whatever way you can. You can subscribe to it on the website. Uh, On iTunes, you can catch us on Stitcher. Uh, You can try and catch us on TuneIn, but as far as I'm aware, TuneIn is several episodes behind where we are. I think it might even still be stuck in last season. So probably best Stitcher and iTunes, depending on which mobile device you're using. Um, We will be back for Azerbaijan, uh, which we have have since the last episode discovered is in fact in Europe uh, and not the Middle East or the Far East or anywhere else we thought it might possibly be. Um, so hopefully Baku will uh, give us lots more to talk about and we'll see you after then so thanks for listening and
2: bye 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 bye